This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, welcome to Southern Remedy. This is the original one where it's open mic all the time. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo here with our producer, Jay White, and we're alone and lonely and waiting for your call at one 672 on any medical topic that is of concern to you today. So just give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. While we're waiting, oh, and you can send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. While, uh, while we're waiting, I discovered a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted to share with you, but I would rather talk to you. So you can give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four 672 if you wish. Uh, there is a free service uh, called Caption Call for people who are hearing impaired, severely hearing impaired. And what they do is they provide you uh, a uh, telephone that has an amplified voice and it streams the conversation uh, while you are listening. You can read. Uh, so I know that not all hearing impaired progr- uh, people listen to our program, but I know some of you do. And I know that our listeners know people who are hearing impaired. And if uh, there's an interest by either group um, in this product called Caption Call, Caption, C-A-P-T-I-O-N, Call, uh, the information number about this is one eight seven seven five seven seven. I'm sorry, one eight seven seven five five seven two 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 seven. One eight seven seven five five seven two 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 seven. And uh, the auto- audiologists all over the country are very much in supportive supportive of this. So I thought I'd just mention that to you. And we would love to uh, give you that by email if you didn't get it. Uh, another big thing in the in the um, medical literature right now is veterans health. You know, we have Veterans Day coming up uh, next month on November the 10th. And there are a number of programs that uh, a number of medical problems that are specific for veterans and we're sort of in a confessional period about the way we've treated our veterans uh, in the past and trying to treat them better. So uh, there's a lot of interest in things like COPD from free cigarettes and the PX, um, uh, alcoholism from discount alcohol and the PX, and uh, other issues dealing with <clears throat> service uh, that uh, are coming up, including PTSD. We talked about a little bit PTSD. We talked about a little bit before. So uh, we'd love to talk about those issues with you. If you want to give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And you know we've had some experts in PTSD on the program not that long ago. Another uh, very interesting thing, we're going to go to Canton in your house in just a second, if you give us a call or send us an email, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, is this whole issue of flesh-eating bacteria, which always gets uh, people's attention, and that comes from an infection with Vibrio vulnificus. That is an organism that uh, can cause a life-threatening systemic. Uh, infection it you it lives in oysters uh, for instance almost all the oysters from the east coast uh, have this uh, culturable from them and I don't know if anybody's cultured our our southern oysters but I have seen enough patients from the Mississippi Gulf Coast with this to know it's it's not uncommon there too so people especially people who have immune issues uh, get scratches and scrapes fiddling around in water 
the most recent uh, death that, that I'm aware of uh, was a 31-year-old carpenter uh, from Houston who was um, involved in restoring a home, and there was still water around it from uh, the hurricane, and he got an abrasion and uh, didn't get to the doctor soon enough and ended up dying from that. So if you have any kind of water exposure and you get a cut or an abrasion, uh, it's important for you to go to the doctor soon if there's any signs of infection, and that's heat. It's hot around there. Uh, Skin color changes, uh, red, swollen, hot and tender, or pus. The problem with the Vibrio is you can't see the pus. It's underground. It goes deep quick, and people end up losing skin and extremities, uh, among other things, from this infection. So if, especially if you live on the coast or you're in areas that frequently flood in our state, and there are many of them, you need to be aware of this problem and others. Let's go to Canton and talk to Peggy. Hey, Peggy. Um, What's happening today? Well, it has to do with ventricular fibrillation. Yes, ma'am. Am I saying that right? You are saying it perfectly. Is it genetic or is it just bad luck? Um, is there a treatment, something that would help it? Um, All of the above. So let's talk about this. There are four chambers in the heart. There are two pumpers. Those are the left and right ventricles. Uh, and then there are two reservoirs that feed the pump. Those are the left and right atrium. Mm -hmm. And uh, ventricular fibrillation is when uh, the atria, usually the right atria, because that's the one that seems to be involved the most, rather than contracting as they're supposed to, they're supposed to squeeze right before the ventricle squeezes. Mm -hmm. Rather than doing that, um, they... Don't squeeze. They just fibrillate. They just, it looks like they're having a seizure. And uh, this is a very common condition in seniors. And uh, the problem with it is not so much that it's just fibrillating, but when it doesn't pump normally, when that atrium doesn't pump normally, clots get in it. And then the clots can be pumped. Uh, into the right ventricle and go to the lung, and that's one of the causes of a pulmonary embolus. If the left ventricle is fibrillating, the clots can get pumped into your systemic arterial circulation and cause strokes, and it's one of the more common causes of strokes in seniors. So it is a real issue, and many people go in and out of it. They get palpitations. They get an irregular, irregular heart rhythm rather than having a regular pulse. And you can feel your pulse at your wrist that goes dot, 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 dot. Theirs goes dot, 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 irregularly irregular. And so everybody that has atrial fibrillation needs to see a cardiologist if you can be converted to um, regular rhythm and you stay in rhythm, then it's fixed. And some people with hyperthyroidism, which is a cause of this, all you have to do is fix that and they go back in rhythm. But most of it is uh, caused by an, the, the, the electrical wires to the heart are hardwired. There's no, uh, there's no uh, uh, you know, Connection with the brain without hard wearing in in the human body, uh, and so we don't have Wi-Fi yet in the body. So um, those wires get corroded that go to the atrium, and uh, the electric the, the there is a pacemaker in in nearby that generates a rhythm. So the the wiring between the pacemaker and the atrium gets screwed up. Or sometimes even the pacemaker gets screwed up and it causes this irregular heart rhythm and puts you at risk for strokes and pulmonary emboli and other problems. So we anticoagulate everybody who has this. Some people we try to get back in rhythm. There are now uh, surgical techniques that cardiologists are using to see if they can fix this problem by going in and doing 
an electrical procedure to fix the wire that's out of whack. Uh, There are a number of treatments, and uh, none of them are simple. The drugs used to treat this uh, and get get you back in rhythm are, are all have a lot of toxicity, although we use them regularly, and but you have to monitor for it. So most people that have this problem end up anticoagulated, which is a lot more simple than it used to be because we had to put everybody on Coumadin, uh, which uh, requires a lot of tending to, and now some of the oral uh, uh, anticoagulants that don't require a lot of follow-up uh, are available. They're just more expensive, and getting your insurance to pay for them is always a nightmare. Is that what you needed, Peggy? Appreciate it, but this is like a 50-year-old person, and it just booms, and it lets go. You know, it'll boom, and it lets go. So I guess maybe electrical. What What do you mean, booms and lets go? It kind of goes haywire. You know, and All of a sudden, your heart starts beating real fast? It just kind of makes a boom sound. You can feel it, you know, in your chest. Mm, that's called palpitations. Uh-huh, and it's just, then it'll ease up and stabilize. Uh-huh. Well, you can't tell whether it's ventricular coming from the pump or atrial coming from the reservoir unless you get an electrocardiogram while it's happening. And it's very important that when you're having this symptom that you go into your doctor and let him figure out which uh, problem it is because there are a number of different kinds of cardiac arrhythmias that give you palpitations. And you need to need to have that sorted out because none of them are do not require treatment uh, except uh, in younger people who sometimes have some what are called PVCs, premature ventricular contractions, that when we put you on the treadmill, uh, they don't increase in frequency when you exercise. So we don't have to treat those. But in general, most of them need to be treated. And I appreciate your call. And if you want more information on this, I have a patient information sheet on atrial fibrillation and other arrhythmias I'd be happy to send you. Uh, they're on. Uh, you can just send me an email on our website, southernremedy.mpbonline.org, and we will definitely get that right out to you. You're listening to Southern Remedy. This is Open Mic. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, and we're taking all questions on all topics, whatever is on your mind. We have open lines uh, now. Hopefully, they won't be open long. So if you have a question, now's the time to call in because we will take your uh, call. We have open lines right now at one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Madison and Jim. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Thanks for your call. Uh, thanks for talking to me. Um, several years ago, I don't know exactly how long, my otolaryngologist prescribed an over-the-counter proton pump inhibitor mm-hmm. um, for reflux. He thought it might be causing a cough, a persistent cough. Um, I, I took the drug for several years, um, uh, having seen the otolaryngologist a couple of times, he knew I was continuing the drug. I, I read an article a couple of months ago describing a study that suggested that long-term use of PPIs was very harmful to the kidneys and perhaps had other caused other problems, and so I discontinued it. Um, and I'm seem to be doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, should I have any concerns about multi-year continuous use of this PPI? Okay, that is a great question. I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because there's a lot of concern about these, and I, like you, am a proton pump inhibitor taker. So this is very personal for me. Um, the uh, proton pumps... Uh, inhibitors are drugs that inhibit the production of a- of acid, stomach acid, in your stomach. And the thing that causes uh, the pain of reflux is the burn in your esophagus when the valve opens between uh, your stomach and your esophagus and lets acid reflux backwards. That valve is supposed to keep uh, anything from your stomach, including food or acid, 
from going backwards back up your esophagus, but it there are problems with that. It's called the lower esophageal sphincter. And uh, if especially if you're overweight or as you age, it can become defective and you can get reflux symptoms and they can be very, very painful and troubling. And uh, if you have that problem, stopping acid production pretty much gets that fixed. If you continuously have reflux and don't get it treated, you can develop a thing called Barrett's esophagus, which is a precancerous lesion in your lower esophagus from being burned. So we, we don't take this lightly. And uh, that's why so much of these uh, proton pump inhibitors um, are used. Uh, the problem is, is when you screw up acid production, it also screws up the absorption of different nutrients that are important. And the one that is, is the biggest concern is B12, which requires uh, acid. But it also has other effects on uh, other nutrients. It has effects on calcium and other things. So we see osteoporosis issues. Uh, the, the, fa- the effects on the kidney are unusual. Uh, in general, the effects are uh, seen with long-term usage, and in general, they go away when you stop it. Your stomach recovers. So the fact that you've been using these for a long time and have stopped uh, would mean that any issues that you had, uh, and you probably would have known about them by now anyway, uh, would resolve. So I would not worry about that at all. Um, the We're now not using, what happens is people come in with reflux, we give them a prescription, they get it refilled forever. We don't do that anymore. We pretty much put everybody on a holiday now. Uh, when they're on proton pump inhibitors, unless they're having ongoing symptoms. And if anybody who's listening wants to talk more about reflux and the other treatments of that, I'll be happy to. But that is the answer to your question, and I hope you, uh, I hope that will be helpful. Don't worry about that, Jim. Pick something else. Just stay off of it, and you're going to be fine. Let's go to where are we going? Greenwood? Where you want to go, Jay? Let's go to Gulfport and Marco. Let's go to Gulfport, and we'll go to your house if you call us at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Marco, what's happening in Gulfport? Hey, how you doing, Doctor? I'm doing good. Now that you call. Okay, well, I was just driving down the highway, and I like to listen to your program. And I heard this uh, the lady that called up about the heart, and you were talking about palpitations, and you said something about. Uh, you know, that ought to be treated. Well, hell, I've had them for, uh, you know, as long as I can remember it. Every now and then. It doesn't happen on any kind of regularity. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah, I'm and there. It'll just, you know, all of a sudden something will it'll just sink down and boom, and it'll hit hard. And, uh, you know, it goes goes away pretty uh, quickly. But it, it, it doesn't happen on any kind of regular basis. And uh, I've been having it. Having them happen for as long as I I can remember. I mean, we're talking way back. And, yeah. Uh, so how I, is this regular beats or irregular beats? Irregular. Uh huh. So you probably uh, first of all, it is not abnormal to have palpitations, and it is not abnormal to have a regular heartbeat of some degree. Yeah. For instance, when you take yeah. a deep breath, that affects your you will skip a beat sometimes when you do that or your beats will shortly become irregular but that but you don't have palpitations those are when your heart is beating strongly extra hard uh to deal with an oxygen uh in response to trying to keep your oxygen up so i suspect what you have is what's called paroxysmal atrial fibrillation and uh uh, a percentage, uh, somewhere around, you know, depends on who you believe, somewhere between 1 and 10% of people per year who have that uh, will get some kind of complication from it. And it's uh, it, it would be a good idea for you to let your doctor know you're having this uh, to make sure he's, he or she has checked your thyroid functions because this is a way that can present. 
And uh, uh, we usually do a stress test, cardiac stress test in people who have this problem uh, to make sure they don't have any underlying uh, plumbing problems in their heart. So I'm glad you called. I know your propensity is to do nothing because you survived it so far. But this kind of problem, uh, you have less reserve as you get older to deal with these issues. That's our problem with aging. Uh, when we're younger, we can have all kinds of things wrong with us, and we just sort of can overdrive them and survive. But when we get older, we have less reserve, and we have less cardiac reserve in particular. So if that's continuing to be a problem, I think I would definitely get that checked out, probably by a cardiologist. Uh, if you go to a general internist or family medicine person, they can get you started, but you're probably going to end up with a cardiologist somewhere uh, for that problem. Is that what you needed? Well, uh, not uh, not. Uh, well, there's two other things that I wanted to add to, to it to let you hear. Okay. I, I've been phys- physically very active all of my life, mm-hmm. and plus my uh, my uh, pulse has always been down in the 40s. And uh, you know, and I'm I'm very athletically uh, inclined, and uh, uh, so I mean, I'm telling you, I've had this uh, since I was in my as long as I can remember, really, uh-huh. plays and everything, and uh-huh. uh, and I just got to You know, I've, I've often wondered about it, and so uh, okay, and I do have a regular heart doctor that I see, and I just never mentioned it to him because I never. It just doesn't come up enough to uh, to that's something I worry about. Wasn't he interested? Wasn't he interested that your pulse rate was in the forties all the time? Yeah, well, they always yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, way back when I was in uh, New York, I was like uh, in my thirties and forties. The doctor said, "Oh, that's money in the bank." Yeah, then, well, uh, be, nowadays, be, being in New York usually drives your pulse rate up, so I'm really surprised. <laughs> uh, but uh, you you may have an issue with your pacemaker that I was talking about earlier in the oh. heart that gives you a slow pulse, and then yeah. occasionally you get a rapid pulse when your oxygen levels drop. There's a name for that. It's called Brady Tacky Syndrome. Okay. Brady okay. Slow Tacky Fast Syndrome. So, okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'd give him a call. Uh, okay. may, may save you an office visit. Give him a call yeah. and say, I forgot to do this, and have him look yeah. at your EKG again and so forth, and he may be okay. able to get whatever testing he uses without you having to pay for an office visit. Oh, that's all right. Okay. Well, thank you. I enjoy your show, and I enjoy you, Doctor. You, uh, you, you're entertaining as well as informative. Well, thank you very much. I'll take it. My age, I'll take any compliment I can get. So that's a good one, and I, I appreciate it. All right. Let's go next. I'm getting confused about these heart these calls. Let's go to Jason in Gulfport. What about that? Good. Hey, Jason. Hi, Dr. Rick. How are you doing? You're the star of the hour. What's going on? So I have had this issue for uh, a number of years to where I have a a rash or some sort of dermatitis on my face. Mm -hmm. And I've had it for, I don't know, six or eight years or so. And it kind of comes in cycles. It'll Sometimes I'm I'm completely normal, and then it'll flare up. And it kind of one of two ways it'll happen. One will either be my skin is just super dry and flaky, to where I have to moisturize or wash my face and scrub it like multiple times a day or it just looks terrible. And the other the other kind of end of it was that it will become very, I don't know, red and kind of inflamed, angry looking, and it'll just be like, it'll just ache. It'll just be almost painful if I try to do anything but just splash some water on it. Mm-hmm. And it just looks terrible and it drives me crazy with how it it. it gets like that does it look I've do you have some bumps different stuff do you have I'm some sorry? you have some bumps with it does it look sort of acne like it's not no it's not like acne i don't get bumps but when it gets really red and angry looking mm-hmm. like you can feel it it is textured like if you run your fingers across my face mm-hmm. does do you have it on your nose i uh, I don't usually have it like right on the like, the bridge of my nose. Uh-huh. But I'll get it like along the sides of my nose, next to my cheek, and kind of in the angles going up toward my forehead. Uh huh. So, do, do you if if you're not a Baptist and you can drink alcohol, when you drink alcohol, does that ever make it flush? 
I've never noticed that. Okay. Well, I don't know what it is uh, without looking at it, but it sounds like rosacea or rosacea, depending on whether you come from the east or the west. And that is a dermatitis that um, that uh, is red uh, and, uh, and, and flaky, uh, but it frequently has bumps in it or palpable uh, ridges. Like potato chips, I guess uh, that uh, that are seen, and it's episodic with flares triggered by uh, weather and so forth and so on. The other possibility is is that it's simply seborrheic dermatitis, uh, which is a uh, does it grease when you rub your finger across it, uh, your face? Do you get some grease off on shiny on your on your finger? Uh, not. I mean, maybe a little bit. Not. What I would consider excessive. Okay, well, it's it's either seborrheic dermatitis, which is this condition I was just talking about, or rosacea, or something unusual. So what I would recommend that you do is get some tea gel shampoo. Do you have much dandruff? No, not usually. Do you have any? Uh, I mean, a little bit. Okay. I mean, the dry skin kind of goes into my, my hairline a little bit. Uh-huh. So I would get some tea gel shampoo, which is over the counter. And you have to use this correctly. And what I'm giving you is a treatment for seborrheic dermatitis, which could save you $300 with a derm visit if it works. Uh, the rosacea will require a prescription to treat that with Metro gel or... Uh, if it's some other diagnosis. So what I would do is get, I would like to do is give you a, a uh, inexpensive, no risk treatment that you can try to see if you make this better. And if it works, you've got seborrheic dermatitis, which we don't know the cause of that. Uh, and it's usually associated with some kind of scalp issues as well. So here's how, what you would do. You get this tea gel shampoo and there's a generic and a branded, so you can get the cheap one or the. Um, I li- actually think that the branded one is better, but T gel shampoo. And what you do is you wet your. Do you take showers or baths? Showers. Uh, you wet your hair down the first thing in your shower, and you squirt this thing on your scalp and you foam it up. And you also rub it in your ears and around your on your eyelids and on your face every day for a week. And um, and uh, you leave it on there as long as you can while you wash your other body parts and then come back in the last thing and, and wash that off. And if that's seborrheic dermatitis, it will knock it down, if not stop it. And if it's a recurrent problem, you can use it whenever it's catching on and knock it back again. It tends to be chronic. So that's what I'd recommend. And that's your free dermatology doc in a box. And if it doesn't, if that doesn't do it, then you got to go see the dermatologist. Okay? Awesome. Thanks for the info. Great to talk to you. Let's go to Mary in Greenwood. And by the way, we have every time somebody drops off, we got another open line. So we have one now, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Doctor Rick. It's Southern Remedy uh, Open Mic. Questions or comments about anything you want to talk about medically, and so we're going to talk to Mary in Greenwood. Hey, Mary. Hi. What's happening? I have uh, some neighbors down the road for me, and she have children. Uh-huh. And I noticed uh, one of them I thought was ringworm spots. Uh-huh. And I told her to use shoe polish because my grandmother used, used to tell us. Uh-huh. But then it didn't get any better. And she told me about two days ago that she took the children to the doctor, and they have scabies. Uh-huh. I've never heard of that. What is that? Well, it's a very, very common problem, and uh, it is an infection with a mite, M-I-T-E, which is a little insect uh, that for some reason loves kids' hairs and hair, and it it is easily transmittable from one person to another, and uh, it is epidemic in some schools in our state, 
and uh, teachers usually are really experts on this. Uh, it it the presentation is scratching. Uh, that's when what usually you see it scratchy, itchy head, and it's worse at night when they feed. They get in there, they're little bitty, little bitty things, and they lay eggs and uh, in there. And uh, and and what happens is that if you don't treat it. Uh, the itching goes away after about six weeks, and you start getting all kinds of strange-looking uh, skin problems on your scalp. And that's why people used to treat it with shoe uh, polish, because they didn't know what it was and didn't have access to medical care, and they didn't treat it. Uh, it also involves the webs of the fingers, that little piece of skin between the fingers and usually you'll see something there uh it could get in your elbows and uh it also gets in the genital area in women who have hair down there usually kids don't have genital hair so it's not a big deal uh but it can be all right so so the treatment for this you can get over-the-counter scabies uh, treatment. The problem is is the treatments don't work as well as they used to, and sometimes you have to use, um, have to go to the dermatologist to get this taken care of. But most family medicine doctors and uh, pediatrics folks uh, can, uh, can take care of this. You can't see the little mites with a naked eye. They're little bitty teensy weensy mites, and they create little burrows. So you can see the little burrows, which are looks like little strips sometimes. So I think that's what's going on. The treatment uh, of this uh, is is very simple. Uh, that is, go to your local uh, drugstore and um, and and get some of the shampoo. It's most of them have pyrethrin in it. Uh, which is um, is a insecticide that is from uh, the mum plant. Uh, you know the mums that everybody has out now, and it's very safe. Unfortunately, not all of the uh, all of the pyrethrins. This has gotten sensitive, resistant to those, and sometimes you have to use uh, other other treatments, but usually uh, the over-the-counter treatment is effective, and and let your druggist help you select the best one uh, over-the-counter, and that doesn't work. You're going to have to take them to the, to, the, uh, uh, to the doctor, and by the way, probably all the kids have these in your family, so you need to probably treat all of them, and if you need more information, I've got a great patient handout on that. That I'd love to send you, Miss Mary. Just send me an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org and we'll talk more about it. I'm going to be right back to go to Meridian and uh, to Stephen and to your house. If you give us a call, we have some open lines at 1 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, this is Dr. Rick. I was sitting up here waiting for your call. By the way, you haven't called yet, so please call. Um, And I just heard something say, boo-ha, I think we've been hacked. That was not me. Uh, I did not say boo-ha, so I don't know what's going on. If you hear that again, it's a communist plot. Listen, one of our listeners uh, called in um, wanting to know more about this caption call thing that I mentioned, and I just discovered this because I went in to get my hearing checked today, and uh, the audiologist who I'm going to have on the show soon 
uh, had one of these things in his office, and I said, hey, this would be wonderful for people who can't hear. And he said, that's what it's for. That's why you're in an audiologist's office, you idiot. And uh, so so uh, he showed me how it worked, and I said, well, nobody could afford that. And he says, hey, it's free. There's a government program that pays for this thing. So uh, basically it's a telephone with a loudspeaker hooked up to it, and if you need it, uh, it will – they, somebody comes online with you and types what they're saying, and you read it. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's called Caption Call, C-A-P-T-I-O-N-C-A-L-L. And there is a website for info on this, and that's what our caller wanted to know because I'm sure I talk too fast. It's uh, 1-877-577. 2227 This boy, my grandmother could have used this thing because she had hearing aids and she couldn't hear with them. They were terrible and they made all kinds of squeaky noises. And uh, this would have been perfect for her because she, she gave up talking to people on the phone because she couldn't understand what they were saying. So this is a new modern uh, device and uh, that's that. And you may want to recommend that somebody you know uh, calls and checks this out. Let's go to Roger in Meridian. Hey, Roger. Good morning. Uh, really enjoy your program. Thanks for what you do. Well, it's a privilege to be here. What's going on? Okay. I, uh, I'll make this short, and I can get into detail if you wish. But my basic question is, where can I send a sample of what I'm coughing up for some lab independently to determine, sort of a second opinion, mm-hmm. whether or not I'm coughing up something from my lungs for which I've been diagnosed with mycobacterium atrium complex, or if I'm coughing up something that's that's uh, reflux, which okay. is what the ENT people keep telling me, and I don't believe. Okay. I get an independent analysis of the stuff. All right. So let me answer that question as best I can. Um, you probably can do this yourself. Um, and uh, if you are coughing up material, uh, if you're if you're refluxing material, you can get one of those pH kits, you know, pH, your pH, acid or base uh, from your um, they they sell them at all kinds of places. I know they sell them at nurseries because you can check your soil pH if you want to do it yourself. And if it's highly acid, then it's coming from your stomach unless you're on uh, a proton pump inhibitor to inhibit your acid production. Now, if you're on that, you can't use that. Um, the The right answer to your... So if, if you're a do-it-DYI person, uh, you know, that, there you go. But my recommendation is that you do something different, uh, and that is uh, any kind of lab test you get is going to be a charge, and you can't get the lab test unless a doctor orders it. And uh, if the ENT people are thinking you have reflux, uh, then it's very easy to sort that out. You should go to a gastroenterologist and have them look down into your esophagus and stomach and see if you are having reflux because you'll see changes down there um, that are uh, and, and then what we do for people who have ref- reflux, especially if it's causing cough and it's a very common cause of cough, is we put them on a pro. First of all, we try to get them to sit to elevate the head of their bed, not to eat uh, any time near when they lay down because when you lay down, the reflux gets worse. Uh, to lay off of uh, of things like coffee and chocolate, which opens up that valve and causes reflux. I can I can eat a cho- piece of chocolate, which is my favorite thing, and man, I'll just you know it's terrible heartburn I get. Uh, so so you avoid things that make it worse. You avoid eating, and you elevate the head of your bed. Put a couple of bricks under the head of your bed, and don't forget when you get up in the middle of the night, or you'll crack your head. Uh, put a couple of bricks up there and 
that usually gets rid of it along with a proton pump inhibitor. And if that doesn't work, we put you on an antihistamine called ranitidine, a combo that usually gets it. If that doesn't work, you need to get your gastroenterologist to talk to you about getting it fixed. But the real answer is you can, if you're coughing up uh, sputum that is growing out uh, that, that form of tuberculosis, then uh, more likely than not, that is your cause of cough. But you could have a combination. And your problem is you don't have a doctor you can believe because you're getting multiple answers. And the person who ought to be able to help you sort this out is your pulmonologist, your lung doctor, because you're already seeing him if you've got uh, one of these atypical uh, TB germs. So my recommendation is, yeah, you can, if, if you want to spit some of this stuff when it refluxes, you got to get it right when it comes up or whenever you're coughing uh, and check the pH and see if it's acid. That would be helpful. But otherwise, what you need to do is call your doctor up and have a discussion or go in and, and get this straight because you're not getting the answers you need and you shouldn't have to figure this out. That's our responsibility and uh, uh, and get either uh, showing you the cultures or getting you some um, uh, an, um, a visit with a gastroenterologist would be the next thing I'd recommend, and I hope that's helpful. If you want uh, some more information about acid reflux, send me an email, and I definitely will give you uh, a lot more detail than that. And I appreciate your call, Roger, and I'm sorry you're having this problem. We have an open line at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Green. Uh, is Mary back on? Uh, Mary's back from Greenville. Hey, Mary. Yes. Did I mess I you up and not get all your questions? I have a question for myself. Okay. Um, I don't really have a cough, but a few times I cough, I clear my throat. It's like I'm spitting up uh, soap. The spit is like a form of soap. You mean foam? It's foamy. Yes. Okay. Now let me let me ask you this: How long have you had this cough? Uh, it's probably over a year. But it's not really a cough. It's anytime I can clear my throat, that's what comes up. Foam. Foam. Uh huh. Like Do you have any trouble swallowing? No. Um, and, uh, have you, uh, is it worse at night or during the day? Uh, well, anytime. Uh-huh. It it don't matter, day day, day or night, So you just all of a sudden start spitting up, uh, foamy stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's not associated with a cough. No. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, I don't know what that is. Uh, I have had people complain of that before. And uh, what I'm usually concerned about is whether or not they have a problem with their esophagus. That is, keep normally we, we produce huge amounts of saliva, pints of it every day. That saliva is very important in keeping the tissues in our mouth and esophagus and stomach healthy because there's mucus in it that has all kinds of uh, helpful uh, things that we don't even fully understand, but it helps nourish the lining of our uh, of our mouth, throat, and esophagus and stomach. And if you are not, if you have some kind of swallowing problem, and the most common cause of a swallowing problem is having reflux and having some scarring in your esophagus, that can cause that stuff that we're constantly swallowing uh, to hang up, and you can get it foaming back up in your mouth. So um, it's easy to figure that out. We usually just get a barium swallow. You swallow, you swallow something that looks like milk of magnesia, and they take pictures of it, and you can see if there's a problem. So I think that is, in your case, is worth having somebody check that out, okay? I, I would not just blow that off. By the way, since you're back, the, the thing that's over-the-counter, uh, I wanted to tell you, is uh, permethium, P-E-R-M-E-T-H-R-I-N, and if that doesn't work, then you have to take an oral treatment for scabies. It's called Invermectin. 
I-N-V-E-R-M-E-C-T-I-N, and that probably is going to require a prescription. You could ask the pharmacist if they have any that's over-the-counter, but that is the treatment for uh, this. But you want to use the Permethium shampoo uh, first for the scabies. So I hope that's helpful, and I appreciate your call. And, yeah, you need to get that checked out. All right? Let's go to Jackson and Vicky. Hey, Vicky. Well, hi there. Can you hear me? Oh, man, can I? You sound marvelous. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about mitral valve prolapse? And I'll make my story very quick. About 20 years ago, close to 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with mitral valve prolapse. The doctor stated it's, it's nothing to worry about. You know, just, just go on with your life. So, of course, I did. And over time, those heart palpitations, uh, or irregular heartbeats, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, came and gone. Um, So over the years, I've been doing fine. Earlier this year, I had a strange, like a a knife was in my heart or, or chest area, and it went from the top to the bottom. So I went to the doctor immediately. They checked me out. Everything is A1. But I noticed recently, within the last month or so, I'm feeling those heart, those irregular heartbeats again. Um, so I'm thinking it's the mitral valve prolapse. Is this something I should be concerned about? And the fact that everything checked out fine, what would you recommend? All right. That's, a, that's, a, that's something that people are going to be interested in because this is a, a fairly common problem. It's one that is predominantly seen in women, although men have it. And it's also called uh, a floppy mitral valve. Uh, the mitral valve is the valve that separates the uh, left atrium, the left reservoir of the heart, from the left ventricle, which is the pumper of the heart. And that valve is very important because when your heart, when your pumper, your left ventricle pumps, if that valve doesn't work right, blood goes backwards into your left atrium. And that is called mitral valve disease and can cause a problem. And those mitral valves have to be replaced. The ones that have to be replaced are most commonly from... Uh, other causes than floppy valves. The floppy valve thing usually does not require anything uh, uh, other than if you start having symptoms from it, uh, some medicine. Now, the most common uh, symptoms of mitral valve prolapse are uh, palpitations, uh, exercise intolerance. Some people get dizzy. Some people have panic uh, related to it, numbness and tingling, and many people are hyperextensible. They are tall, thin, asthenic people who can do funny things with their fingers, like they can bend them backwards, uh, they can bend them forwards more than normal, and they end up being ballerinas and things like that. We see a lot of joint issues in people who have hyperextensible joint syndrome, and uh, there are some other things that go with it. Uh, if uh, And what we do on everybody with, with what you have is get an echo, echocardiogram, uh, sort of like sonar of the heart, and make sure that there is not any significant reflux from that mitral valve back into the atrium, because that would mean that it would screw up uh, the pressure's in your in the large blood vessels uh, in your heart and could cause some uh, problems uh, with heart failure and other problems. So um, that we usually will follow people with mitral valve uh, prolapse and symptoms at least every other year, and frequently the cardiologist will defer those follow-ups to the primary care person and see the patient less frequently. If you start having palpitations uh, that are bothersome uh, or frequent, there are a number of medicines, most commonly what's called a beta blocker, that can be very helpful 
uh, in, in stopping that. And there's some other medicines as well. The beta blockers are especially good because they don't cause a lot of side effects. And in people who have severe disease, sometimes they have to have those valves fixed. Uh, but that is fairly unusual. Uh, is that helpful? Helpful. Just uh, really quickly, how, so how often would you recommend, well, because I just had my exams earlier this year, how often would you recommend me going back to see the cardiologist just as a follow-up? What did the cardiologist do? The, did the cardiologist uh, see you this year? I'm sorry? Did the cardiologist see you this year? Yes. Did mm-hmm. you tell him you were having palpitations? Yes. And what did he say? Um, he just checked everything out. I had an EKG. I believe they did a CAT scan, all all the types of tests they could uh-huh. find out. But he said that everything checked out well. You know, he didn't see anything wrong. Then I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. But if it gets to be frequent, if yes. it gets to be frequent uh, and bothersome, there is a medicine that can take care of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, I would just follow up. Just like I said, most of the people that we see that their echo is normal, that echo mm-hmm. picture, we don't see them every year for okay. this in cardiology. We see them every other, every third year, something like that. But if there is any abnormality or symptoms change or are significant, we will see them more frequently. Okay, thank you so much. All right. Listen, I'm sorry I didn't get to everybody this morning, but I'm sitting up here by the the email machine, so if you want to send me an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org, I will do my best to get you the answer you need. Or you can call back next week, by the way. Hey, there's going to be on November the the 2nd online and November 9th, at 8.30 on MPB TV, a special program on veterans' health featuring Mississippi veterans. Hey, take a listen to that. We'll be back same time, same place next week. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.